What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I am here with Anthony, Lori, and Mike, and we are discussing episode five of Shadow and Bone season two. Before we start talking about this episode, I want to talk about something that I've been meaning to mention when we discuss the episodes, and I've been forgetting the title cards for this season. They're fire. I love them. The art department does an excellent job. Excellent job. And I love this one because at the beginning, you see like four little crows sitting on the on, on the sign that says Shadow and Bone. And you have one crow that flies in to sit with them. And then in the background, in the window, you have another crow that's like trapped and can't get out. I was like, oh, look, it's the crows and with Nina and then with Matthias locked away. And did you notice yeah, one so. of the crows was holding one of Inez's knives? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't notice. I, yeah, yeah the, the one crow on the, right on the very side. end. Yeah. I, I like, love oh, these title yeah. cards. Yeah. Look at all the foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Very much so. But, okay, let's get into this episode. Because there was a lot that happened in this episode. We had some epic fighting. We had some epic other things going on um the start of the episode when kirigan comes back to the room to see that bagra and jenya have escaped how in the hell did all that damage get done because jenya didn't do all of that there were like the windows were messed up the shades had holes in them there was like, I know she did some damage, but I don't think she did all of that, did she? Or was that something she I missed? pretty wildly. She might have. I mean, he's just now finding out, it seems like, and because he was probably gone for a minute, so she had time. So she might have done it. I guess. That, um, the, the dude, Vlad, Vladim, I think is his name, because on the closed captions, it's spelled V-L-A-D-E-M. That dude, let me tell you, if you were to look up Minion in the dictionary, his picture would be next to it. Like, he's sitting there talking to Kerrigan, you know, oh, I thought it was important to call you back for this, blah, blah, blah. You know, even though um, we lost most of our stuff, I had the foresight to, like, he was expecting Kerrigan to congratulate him because he had the foresight to keep the other two finger bones in a locket around his neck and that he can continue his experiments. Kerrigan was like, I don't want to hear anything you have to say right now. I'm going to my room (laughs) to throw a temper tantrum because my mama is gone. And Jenya, but Kerrigan in this episode, you you kind of see him run the gamut of emotions like he is uh, angry and upset and he's kind of wistful and when Alina comes to him in that vision you see him kind of he's kind of hesitant and kind of skeptical about her but then when she touches his face he's kind of like oh yes this is what I want like maybe she's really really coming around to my way of thinking nah don't let the smooth taste fool you. <laughs> Mom and Kenya. But I mean, between him 
uh, Vladim and um, Fruji. I think that's her name. House I can't. Crap. I can't really pronounce it. F R U S Z I. I think that's how you spell her name. Fruji, the the type maker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds yeah. right. <laughs> Let me tell you, there was one point in this episode where I thought Kerrigan was about to light that ass up when he was in his room and she came to tell him, uh, you know, we can't find Prince Nikolai. We can't find the Sun Summoner. And he was like, well, Keep find looking. them. And she was like, um, the, the forceful way she was saying it, she was like, our efforts would be better uh, if we were to just take out the first army, like she's telling this to him, like she's expecting him to be like, oh, you know what? You are so right. Let me change that order. And you now, guys go kill the first army first. The amount of restraint that he showed <laughs> was immeasurable. Like, like the only problem with that is Prince Nikolai and his caravan are with my son summoner. So, at the risk of repeating myself. <laughs> I love it when people say that. At the risk of repeating myself. In like, other words, get the fuck out of here and find her now. Right. Like, I don't care about nothing else you got to say. That's just, that's almost, it's almost reminiscent of Zoya <laughs> in the first season when Alina had escaped and she was trying to pull on her, I guess her little seductive thing to kind of calm him down. And she was like, well, do we really need her? She probably left on her own. You know, you used to call on me for certain things. And he was like, um, I'll be okay. Once I have my son summoner. And Zoya was, <laughs> but that was kind of reminiscent of that, even though up to this point, we have no um, indication that, Kierkegaard has had any kind of relationship with this girl, but still, I was just like, I started laughing when he turned around and he was like, I mean, he has a history repeating myself, repeating myself. Because, like you said, Anthony, you could see it in his face, like his eyes were kind of like, bitch, I said what I said. (laughs) Go find her. But, I don't know uh, why. I don't know why people are always trying to test his patience. He is already thin. <laughs> he, you know, okay. I'm almost fifty. Sorry, Mike. I'm almost fifty. I know the older you get, <laughs> the less the less patience you have. Right? I can only yes, imagine. The less patience, you're exactly right. Yes. I, I can only imagine how it is when you're, you know, four hundred years old. <laughs> Because now everyone around you is a child. Right. You're, like, they're all babies. And, and they're saying childish things. And they're doing childish <laughs> things. At the risk of repeating myself. I'm going to do that to Bailey one day and see what she says. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I God. mean, his whole no, no, face baby. was no. like, did you not hear no. what I said? Yeah. No, no, see, no, Bailey, she'd probably be like, Where'd you get that from? <laughs> if she's watched Shadow and Bone with her parents, she'll probably be like, Dad, you're not the darkling. <laughs> no, she, she won't watch with us because she's already predicted how it's, how it's gonna end. Yeah. <laughs> so, has she told you how she thinks season two is gonna end? Um, I'll have to ask her, okay? Because if, if she does, 
I I, I want to discuss that sidebar and right. and see how accurate her predictions are. Right. If they're accurate, we need to have her as a special guest. <laughs> no, I mean it's just like Anthony said in the last episode. It has something to do with this younger younger generation. Like they can see all the clues, they can follow all the tropes. And I think even with some of the stuff that may be unexpected, they still do it. Because this is one reason why I do not watch TV with my daughter, Mia. Like, she'll be in the episode and she'll be like, oh, no, this is what's going to happen. This is what this person sounds like. And uh-uh, I don't like this. There was something I was watching a few weeks ago. I cannot. You know, this, doesn't she read a lot of YA lit? She used to. She hasn't in a while. But she used to. Yes. That's where Bailey is, reading mm-hmm. a lot of YA lit. And mm-hmm. like we said the last episode, those tropes just keep Xeroxing themselves from mm-hmm. author to author. Yeah. So Now, they do have some twists with some things. But yeah, I think it was... Uh, oh, okay. So this is not YA, but The Last of Us, the episode with uh, the cannibals. Like I said, she came downstairs. She heard us, you know, she heard it on TV. She heard just a little bit of what he was saying, Pastor David was saying right towards the beginning of the episode. And she was like, hold up, that man on some BS. She was like, he doesn't <laughs> sound right. He sounds like right. one of those people that's like creepy pedophile types and da da da. At that point, it wasn't even the hint of cannibalism, but still she was able to, she was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Just the way she was like, I only heard like, five words that he said and I already know he on some bullshit. <laughs> yep. But uh, okay. So, aftermath of the attack. So we do find out in the midst of the various scenes that we see throughout the episode the king is dead, which means that Nikolai is now the the king well once the coronation happens but technically speaking he is the king at this point um they have a lot of dead they have a lot of injured a lot of wounded including adric who they have to cut his arm off toya has to take one of her axes and cut that part of his arm off in order to try to save him i was like that's a lot while they're down there alina starts losing control of her power again one she's already fretful because she still can't find mal she still has no clue that he's missing she just knows that he's not down there um like i said a lot of dead a lot of wounded nikolai is trying to send the wounded to another i think it's another town again i'm not going to try to butcher that i'm not going to butcher that name but he he's trying to get her to hold it together and as they're sitting there talking and, and trying to figure some stuff out, I thought one of the Nichevoy was coming down into that cavern because when that darkness started creeping down there and Nikolai was like, get all the wounded out of here. I was like, well, what army? Like y'all have so many wounded. It's only a few of y'all that are able-bodied. What are y'all going to do? And then Bag was like, stupid girl, how long are you going to stand there before you let us down? I'm like... <laughs> only Bagra. <laughs> mm-hmm. Only Bagra. Bagra is there. Jenya is with her. And like I said at the beginning of this, uh, well, actually, I said this before we started recording. I forgot how intense this episode was. And I also forgot how emotional it was. 
when Jenya and Alina reunited and all Alina had to do was just look at Jenya and she was she just went over there to to hug her like all is forgiven I was sobbing I was like oh yes okay the gang is back together again but Jenya let me tell you she had to deal with a whole bunch of bullshit in this episode and I'm glad she stood up for her. I'm glad Alina stood up for her. I'm glad Nikolai stood up for her. I'm glad. Well, he- at, well not at first, though. Nikolai was like, but I mean, Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> he had good reason because he didn't know. Like, no, he didn't Nikolai know. has been gone for right. years. He didn't yeah. know what had been going on. So once Alina stood up for Jenya, I think he realized, okay, if Alina's standing up for her and Jenya was one of the people who betrayed her which he would have learned when david showed up he was like okay you know what maybe i need to consider this i need to think about this you are safe here but when the queen saw jenga katrina no tatiana tatiana Tatiana. when she and was like um what did she say to her? At least you look like the monster you are or something. And she was trying to have her arrested. Jenya looked at her and she kind of pulled up to her full height. I said, oh, she finna let this bitch have it. Mm-hmm. And boy, did she. She didn't have to raise her voice. She was just like, ask me how I did it. Ask me, bitch. <laughs> she was like, I put the poison all over my body for weeks. Every time he touched me, every time he kissed me, he took it into himself. All he had to do was stop coming to my bed. What are you going to say to that? Nothing you can say. Damn thing you can say because you, because he was dead wrong and you, and you can't even defend him. And uh-uh. just like All you can do is keep criticizing her and look like a bitch in front of everybody. In front of everybody. everybody yeah, because after everybody heard that, they're probably like, oh shit, damn, that's kind of fucked. Right. And you know, for years, Jenya had it rough with the rest of the Grisha because the rest of the Grisha treated her almost like a pariah. You know, she talked about in the first episode, like she wasn't included in everything else. She was kind of set apart because she was the queen's personal Grisha. And then the rumors were kind of going around about her and the king. But I'm pretty sure that the way the rumors were out there and the way the word was twisted, they were probably skewing it like Jenya seduced the the king or that she was having a consensual relationship with the king and they were all shunning her for it. But I mean, what else is she going to do? Say, no, the king is raping me. What is that going to do for her? Nothing. It won't protect her. So the fact that she's finally able to put all this out and say all of this, and at the moment that this happens, she's actually running from David. So when the queen corners her, David looks and he takes off. I was like, David, where the hell are you going? David went to go get Nikolai. He was like, mm-mm, what we not going to do? What we not going to do? Right. Right. Nikolai comes around that corner and she was like, oh, you heard her arrest this murderer. And he was like, no, not after what I heard. Uh-uh. She is safe. And then that, that's what he tells Jenya. He was like, I apologize on behalf of all of Ravka for what you have endured. And she turned to him. She was like, 
I don't need your pity. I don't need your apologies. What's been done to me cannot be reversed. What I want to know is, are you going to be the person to change this broken country or are you going to repeat the same mistakes as the kings before? And he got that question not once, but twice in this episode because he also got the question from Bagra. She was like, are you going to be the one to change all of this? Or are you going to repeat past mistakes? Yeah, I feel kind of bad for Nikolai. It's, like it's just like, like their question is like, can you do this? Are you sure? Are you sure? He's like, y'all leave me alone? Let me. I feel bad because it's on him to fix over 400 years of bullshit. Yeah, shit that's nowhere near his fault. Nowhere near his fault. And then because he is the son of the king and queen, like people are looking at him like, oh, part of this is your fault too. No, he he escaped. He got away from them. That's one of the things Alina pointed out to him. She was like, not everybody was a, a, able to escape from the palace like you were. Some people had to do what they had to do in order to survive. And that was Jenya. But, yeah, she's one of those people. Yeah. yeah. But he's got I mean, a task I, ahead of him. And now everybody is looking at him like, okay, so are you going <laughs> to, I'm, I'm thinking about all these shows that we've watched game of Thrones, Wheel of time where it's like, okay, are you going to fix the wheel? Or are you going to break it? Are you going to fix what's been broken about this country? Are you going to move forward in a way that is healing to everyone? Or are you going to do the same stuff that everybody else is doing? I think he'll be different. Because he genuinely seems like he wants to fix the country, but he's got a lot of work to do. Yeah, shout out to him for being like open minded. Yeah, I, I like the fact that he's open, being open minded. Like he, at first, he was like, "Yeah, wait, wait till we get to the castle. I'm, I'm going to try you for treason." And then he actually listened to Alina when she explained how what happened to her and how, and what she went through in the castle. So it's like. Let me tell you, the Sun Summoner is not somebody you want to have as an enemy. Yeah, but it's like, but he actually listened. He wasn't like hard headed with like where he's gonna be like like the queen. She was like, yeah, I'm a queen, and or where she was she was like trying to be all standoffish and shit, even when she was proven wrong. But he was actually willing to listen and be like, oh well, shit, that's fucked up. My bad. Oh, that line that she said, she was like, um, when he was like, you know. She was under your uh she was under your care. She's a servant. He was like, and you are the mother of Rafka. You are supposed to embrace all Rafkins as your children. She gets into that. Just stormed off. Because literally, he's taking a stand right there in front of all the other Grisha saying, What you did was wrong, and I'm letting everybody know that I know that what you did was wrong. Even when he got ready to send her away later, she was trying to plead with him. She was like, no, I'm the queen mother. My place is at your side. He was like, look, I love you. And I know that your time as queen has not been kind. You didn't want to marry the king. And you know, you were ostracized. You weren't treated well as queen, but still some of the shit that you allowed was shit you shouldn't have allowed. And if I'm going to be the one to make the change, I can't have any of that old regime with me. So, yeah, you got to go to a convent. Bye. <laughs> she was mad, but I mean, he made a lot of sense. Why would I sit here and try to fix the world and still have vestiges of the, the problem, the old problem 
sitting right. That's just like, I hate to say, that's just like Tommen having Cersei sitting next to him when he was king. Nothing good coming out of that. And nothing would have come, nothing good would have come out of Tatiana. She probably would have been trying to make her own alliances or trying to, um, yeah, she, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I just, mm -mm. she, she got told off and she very well deserved it. I think I, and I, I'm going to be honest. I think she kind of, she kind of got off easy. I mean, I really think yeah. she did. I mean, he could have been spiteful and be like, all right, come on. And then put her on the front lines and be like, there, now, be a queen. Yeah, but but I was thinking he may not he may not want to test that fire too too much, considering he might be a bastard and she could yeah. blow his shit up. So Yeah, because that, that's what yeah, because I'm sitting here trying I was to worried about out. that. I'm I'm trying to figure out if he's the same as you because he says bastard, and then it's like, okay, she's the queen. And the neither boys look alike at all. So they don't look alike, they don't act alike. Yeah. There's nothing alike about them. But, but, she, she but that's, done, she that's actually not that's actually not unusual with siblings. There are lots of pairs of siblings who have the same parents and they look nothing alike. Well, that's like because you, they think they have the same parents. But what I was getting ready to say is, um, hey, I don't look anything like my brother. We don't. I was going to say alike. you and your brother don't look alike. We to don't me. look alike. Uh -uh. <laughs> we don't look alike, and we have the same parents. What's your male look like? <laughs> so, I and and the other thing What's too, that? I think is, I don't think she's going to open her mouth about that. No, she's she's too worried about keeping up appearances. Yeah, not only that, but technically speaking, if you have a bastard on the king, isn't that technically treason? Yeah, she not yeah. gonna say shit. Yeah, she ain't saying shit. I'm saying if she's giving up the ghost, so to speak, what else is she giving up? She'd be giving up all kinds of shit, like you know, I mean, loose lips sink ships, so to speak. All, all I'm saying is that. As we get on later episodes, I think I know who his daddy is. Really? Really? Okay, we're, we're not even going to get into that conversation. Exactly. I got to sit here I, and think about that. But I, I, okay. Uh, okay. Oh, oh, you know what? I think I know where she's going. Okay, back, stop. No. Nope. Okay, no, nope, we're not. We we're not. We're not doing this. No, nope, not not yet. We'll do this after. I think I know what she's going to say. That's okay. Go ahead. But um Go ahead. But the other thing is when Jenya does finally get there, she's able to help heal Adric from his amputation. She does have a confrontation with David because you know, she keeps avoiding him because she doesn't want him to see her. And you know, the, the exchange that they have is interesting to me because all he wants to do is see her and to just let her know that he's glad that she's okay. And I think, like I said, he does. I think he does feel a little bit of guilt about leaving her. But even with Jenya, she was like, I told you to run. You did what I told you to do. There's nothing you could have done to help. I don't want if your you guilt. I don't it want your pity. You would have been dead. You would have been dead. But the thing that I loved is that at this moment, like 
you really don't have anything to lose. Go ahead and go ahead and put them feelings on the line because he basically told her, look, I understand that you you got issues with the way you look. I don't care about any of that. He was like, you, you, you're a strong person on the inside. That's your beauty. That's your strength. And I should have never left you. I'm sorry. You know, basically, I'm sorry. And the scene after, you know, what happens after that, when, when she calls to him and he was like, I'm trying to figure out though, like, how did you guys find us? Because of course the spinning wheel is gone. It's gone. They're underground. And what did she say? She said, Bagra amplified me so that I could seek out familiar heartbeats. And I think it took him a second to realize what that meant. But I don't think up until that moment, he realized just how important he was to Jenya. You know, sometimes I hate to say y'all men, y'all are clueless sometimes. <laughs> like it could be uh-huh. right there smacking your face. And you well, don't see it. well they, they even had the fast i mean he's smart but he ain't too you know not he's not real quick on the uptake yeah no yeah no, he's not but but when it clicked it clicked so i'm like okay good now we we, we have that shit finally all right let's move on I, I was expecting to hear bruno mars start singing like when i see your face <laughs> you know start singing just the way you are to her like you know because he's like, you know, I mean, I, I thought that was really sweet. Like, you know, he broke it down to us. Like, look, I don't I don't care. I love I, I'm attracted to you. Like, and, you know, it's like a lesson for everybody for like, you know, loving for some, someone for the inside as opposed to the outside. So, yeah, but think about think about how she kind of grew up. She grew up that beauty was the most important thing how you look and your appearance is mm-hmm. what was important. That's why so many, that's why the queen was using her services. That's why the queen would bring her friends over to have her do. That's all she did was tailor people. Mm-hmm. So to her, appearances is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how she was brought up, that, you yeah. know, to fix it and make it look good. But I mean, now she has someone who's like, you ain't got to do that no more. I got you. I like the little analogy he made because he was like, what did she say? She was like, I don't have, she said, I can't tell you what this is like. And I don't have the strength. I I don't have the strength to explain it to you. And he was like, I mean, I understand that, but I understand still. She was like, what the hell does that have to do? You have to talk to people in the language they understand. Right. And and but you know and that's how he understood. He was like, "Look, your beauty is your armor." I understand that. He was like, "But still, that's what's in you is strong, and it can't be broken, and and it doesn't need fixing. You don't need fixing." She, you can just see her melt, and I'm just sitting here like, "That's so sweet." I'm telling you, I was the a- way you want. I was a mess in this episode. There was just there were so many good moments. David and Jenya, Wylan and Jesper until it wasn't good and then it was good again. <laughs> we'll get into them too. But oh my god. Um but continuing on with what's going on here with Alina and all of them. So once Bagra gets there, she kind of confesses to Bagra about the fact that she's been seeing uh Kerrigan through astral projection. And that she wants to break this connection. And so Bagra kind of encourages her, hey, you have to be the one to break this connection. 
other than that, he's going to be able to use it, um, you know, against you. So she actually goes into this astral plane where they are able to communicate. And she starts pulling the, um, I'm going to take Lori's term, Romeo Pimp, Pimpress. Romeo I don't know what, you, what we want to call uh -huh. it. She starts pulling this like seductive <laughs> talk to him about, you go, know. Go, go go ahead, Mike. Hey, baby. I like <laughs> Hey, baby, I know you're surprised to see me, baby. But I just wanted to talk to you real quick, baby. <laughs> All the time you were talking the other night, I was thinking about it, baby. And I kind of like it, baby. It's just, it could be me and you, baby. Forever and ever, baby. We'll never get old. We're supposed to stay young and young and spry, baby. Yeah, she basically walks up to him and she's telling him everything he wants to hear. Yeah, you were right. There is nobody else like us. I need you know, someone to recut that alone. scene. Recut that scene with Space Age Pimp playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> that would be epic. Oh my god, I would never listen to Hell that song yeah. the same way again. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I would never listen to that song the same way again. Oh my god. But anyway, so yeah, she's walking up to him and, you know, she's she's caressing his face and all this other stuff. And at first he was looking at her like, bitch, what you doing? Then when she yeah. touched his face, he was just kind of like, how can we give in to that? Oh, she's like, like she's coming to me. This is it. I'm, I've been waiting for her. I've been patient and she's yeah. coming to me. She finally admitted that Mal doesn't understand what she's going through and it's just me. Then she takes his hand and she... She grabs it and she pours some of that light into it, I guess, to dissolve whatever connection they have, whatever piece was remaining in him. And as at this moment or during this exchange, she's in she's in like a uh, I guess it's kind of like an underground church. So she's sitting in there where she's communicating with Kerrigan. At this point, Mal shows up. And Nikolai is like, where were you? I was about to send, you know, I was scared. I was going to have to tell Lena you were dead. He was like, no, I got taken by first army. Where is she? And Nikolai was like, oh, she's safe. And then all of a sudden you hear rumbling and mouse sitting here looking like that don't sound like safe. That sounds like the ceiling is about to come down on us. But it's because as she's, she's connecting with Kerrigan, she's starting to lose control of her powers. And Mal is sitting there like grabbing her, trying to break her out of it. And she can hear him in the astral projection, but she's still trying to do what she needs to do to break this connection. So finally, Mal pulls her out of this connection and she's hurt in the back of her head. She, she's just hurt because she was almost close to severing it and Mal pulled her out. So she gets mad at Mal. I'm like... I'm like, bitch, not 20 minutes ago, you were worried about him, whether or not he was dead, alive, where was he, whatever. Now you mad because he broke a connection that he didn't even know you had because you weren't being honest with him. Because he's like, wait, 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 you connected to him? You have a connection? I almost broke the connection. Wait, what? Right. <laughs> he was like, why didn't you tell me? Well, I couldn't tell you because you were gone. He was like, um... Because I got arrested, I got kidnapped by First Army. Vasily had me uh, arrested for desertion. And the look on her face was like, 
Oh, I was like, see, here we go again. Like Alina, I'd be trying to have your back. But when it comes to Mal, you treat him like trash sometimes. Like again. You, I, I hope we all realize that this relationship is is going like it's gonna crash and burn at the end as as she's dying in his arms. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I already called it. I, I called it last episode. I go ahead. Mark it down. <laughs> yeah, but she's Definitely. sitting there. She's upset. And she was like, she was like, uh, what was it? She said something about them being in lockstep. And he was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Step. You know, oh, that was what it was. She was upset with him because she was like, you're just putting one foot in front of the other. Basically, what y'all were talking about in the last episode, whatever whatever Lena is saying, Mal does, you know? And she's even like, oh, you're sitting here doing all of this. Oh, okay. Stag, Sea Whip, Firebird, Engagement. Like, you're going to walk me down the aisle and you act like nothing's wrong and blah, blah, blah. He was like, of course, or what'd she say? And you act like it doesn't hurt. He was like, of course it hurts, but what else am I supposed to do? He was like, you yeah. are on a path that I can't even follow. You're doing this, 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 and this. He was like, you're putting yourself at risk, um, you know, meeting with Kerrigan, trying to trying to break this connection. He was like, I'm already doing everything that I can to try to help you do what's right, to, do, to, to you know, get rid of the foe, to save Rafka, to, to protect yourself. I'm doing everything that I can do. And you keep doing other shit. He was like, it's, he was like, it's like nothing else exists. And she basically was like, it doesn't. And he was like, okay, that's it. I, I do it. <laughs> I just needed, I needed to hear you say, say it. Say less. Right. And she tried to take it back. He was like, no. He was like, this is what you were meant for. You were meant for greater things. He was some, like, some all stuff I can, you can't take back. Right. He was like, all I can do is find you the firebird. That's all. And that's basically all it is. I'm 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 here to do whatever it is that you need to do to be greater. Whatever. He turns around and walks off and she's sitting there upset because she realized like, get out and put my foot in my mouth again. She said it and she tried to grab it and bring it back. It's too late. Mal's gone. He's like, oh, okay. I yeah. see where I stand. Yeah. And, you know, when, you, when you're talking and to I don't blame Mal. Having- I don't blame Mal at all. I uh-uh, really don't. I don't. Like, Really I don't. Bad. And I don't, I honestly don't think she meant it in that way. But right now, yeah, she did. Yeah, no, no, she no. Did. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, I don't, I don't think that she's saying that Mal is not important to her. I don't think that's what she was saying. But no, what she, she saying, said was, this is more important it than is. us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what she was saying. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the thing is, like, like you know what because it's almost like she should have a conversation with kerrigan and be like you know what kerrigan you do you i'm just gonna me and mal we're gonna go back to the orphanage and we're gonna run the orphanage and and raise some kids (laughs) you just have at it you know what i'm saying just have at it just just leave us alone this all mal wants yeah but but the other thing is mal knows that that's not what's meant for her but you know that's not what's meant for her i'm saying yeah i know but I, I guess my, my yeah. whole thing is everything that Mal has done has given up, has sacrificed. Like he lost friends trying to find this fucking stag for you. Mm-hmm. At least again, show him the courtesy of understanding how how much well, he has sacrificed. 
without spoiling anything, we see this exact relationship later. You know, we see the same thing later. This is how it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. not how it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and mm-hmm. I also think that this is a very troubling trend for Alina because she's getting more and more about saving Ravka by oh. any means necessary. She's she's like all Malcolm X about this shit now, and it's like she's like she's like I want to save Ravka. I want to save it by any means, and I don't care who I who I go through. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna and it's like she's like laser focused and blinded about doing this and getting what she wants. That she, like you said, I don't think she knew how what she was saying to Mal sounded, mm-hmm. but it's like she probably had better intentions than the words that came out of her mouth. But yeah. she was still like, you know, I could have severed a tie. We could have gone. We could have gotten the upper hand on Kerrigan, and we could have. We could have won this blasted war, and then that could have found the Firebird, and done all this stuff. I'm right. doing all this stuff, and you're not. And you're not helping. And yeah. you're not. You're not talking to me. And it's like I think she really. I mean, she loves balance. She was like, "Why haven't you been fighting for me more?" I think she wants him to fight more. Like, be like, "No, what the hell." It's like, that dude has almost died for her how many times? How much more fighting can you, like, okay, yeah, so like, this is the thought that I had in my head that, that just went out a few minutes ago. Alina, I feel like her sense of self-importance is getting to a point where she, in in a lot of aspects, and we talked about this with the last episode, in a lot of aspects, she's starting to mimic some of Kierigan's Keir- personality traits, you yeah. know, and and it's it's more than just oh I'm the only person who can destroy the foe. Yes, that may be well and true, but you can't stand on this hill alone. You have to have other people behind you to help you think about it. You wouldn't even be where you are right now without a Mal, without the crows, without. Nikolai, without all of these people who have been helping you every step of the way. But for you to sit here and and have that self-importance that, oh, I have to be the one to do this. This is the only thing that's important. Yes, it is important, but don't burn your bridges on the way to trying to fulfill that prophecy because those bridges, if you burn them, you're going to fuck yourself up. You know? And I just feel like she's not I think part of the thing is she takes for granted that Mal will always be there. She really takes that for granted, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I understand it. He's always been there. There's been no precedent where he hasn't been except for when they were being forcibly kept apart. And even with that, her dumb ass was sitting here thinking, Oh, he, he forgot about me. Oh, he's mad at me. Cause I'm Grisha. Oh, he's not writing me. In what world is this that Mal would ever be like, oh, okay, fuck this bitch. I don't want nothing to do with her. No. Again, we need to remember that these aren't adults. These are young people. Everybody in this story is young. And they're like barely, I said they're before. They're barely made into adulthood. They're like 20 yeah. years old. Right. right. So, and, and Alina, before this, probably hasn't had a relationship like this. She didn't even think about Mal. In term in relationship terms, like they were just. Friends. But you don't so have to she... think about him in relationship terms. That is your best friend. That is your ride or die. That is the person yeah, she... that y- y'all have always had each other's backs. So right, but but it, it but has nothing to do with age. That's common sense. There are certain yeah. things that are that are 
true in this world. And for her, it should be that she should know that Mal is 100% loyal to her, period. Relationship or not. Period. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but I mean, yeah. I mean, it's fair to say that the dynamics of their relationship have changed slightly now because of how they've expressed their feelings for each other. And that's new to her. So but the core like, of that is still the same. The core of that has not changed. But, she, but she's figuring that out. She's figuring that out now. She didn't. She didn't know that before. Okay, I'm. I know you. I know you're not taking this as excuse, as an excuse. But I'm still going to say it. She's young. And as the as the elder spokesman here in this in this chat in this podcast, I'm going to say these youngins don't know anything about this, any of this relationship stuff. I've been young before. There are some things that you just know. It doesn't, yeah, and it yeah, doesn't, but it, she don't have the experience. Like, I'm, I mean, you're not in that way. Some things are experience. Some things but, are instinct. Some things never, you know in your gut. Not necessarily. <laughs> not necessarily. I can not tell y'all. I can tell y'all don't read YA and, and romance a lot. No, <laughs> at all. <laughs> at no. all. Nope. And, and that should that should tell you right there. Your expectation level might be a little bit women, <laughs> out of whack. Women's <laughs> intuition. There are some things that you know and don't have to have explained to you. Then why and do I'm so sorry. many women put their best friends in the friend zone, knowing good and well that that's probably the person you should be with? Oh, but he's he's like my brother. So no, I don't see you that way because I okay, take so I will say this blah, blah, as blah. far as that type of thing goes. Sometimes so. sometimes if you if you are in a if you have a friendship with somebody and you're not looking at them in a romantic way at first, regardless, yeah, there are some people who later on down the line they end up falling in love with each other. But if they like when you think about Alina and Mal, they never discussed each other as, oh, he's like my brother. Oh, she's like my sister. Because deep down, they already knew that they felt different ways about each other. They just didn't know that the other person reciprocated. But when you have a best friend, I have a best friend that I have been best friends with since the start of my ninth grade year. And we've never looked at each other romantically. He's always been like a brother. When you start seeing someone in that way to turn for, at least for me, to turn around and try to look at them differently, it feels very incesty. I can't do it. But not everyone is, this, not everyone is the same. And so I, we have to, and I we have to allow that. for like, he ain't never had a girlfriend. She ain't never had a boyfriend and they've been together all but Mal years. has had re- not well. I, okay, I won't say he's had relationship. Yeah, that, he's has, had relations, not relationships. Yeah. yeah. So, but because <laughs> Zoya tried to get this, a piece if too. You're having uh, relations with somebody. <laughs> you're having relations with somebody. You sort of know how this thing works. We don't know that. We don't know the extent of what those relationships were. He may have tried to have relationships and then realized, oh, I can't be with this person because I feel like this for somebody else. We don't know because that's not an important part of the story. But what I'm saying, we we've gone into the weeds, as Anthony likes to say. But what I'm saying is, there are certain things that, as far as their friendship goes, that Alina should know without a doubt by this point, especially after he proved that bullshit, you know, 
fake last year when she was like, oh, you, you, you just forgot about me. You didn't, you didn't write to me. He was like, I wrote you all the time. Like I was trying, I've been trying to find you since you left camp. I have crossed the country on feet. I have been shot. I have been stabbed. My two friends got killed trying to find this fucking stag for you. Like, come on now. There are certain things that shouldn't have to be spelled out for you. And one right. of those things is that Mal is your fucking ride or die. Right. But there's a difference between, I mean, I see, I, th I still think you're giving her way too much credit. Like, way too much. And I'm I sorry. think you're not giving them enough. Uh, again. I, 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 look, I, I, I can only... Okay, I can I can only see this as see, I'm putting this in the way that Alina is acting. It's like she is not really she doesn't know she's not catching her. Like when she was talking to Mal after he snapped her out of it, she couldn't she didn't she couldn't catch herself and see and hear how she was sounding, and but she just went off on him. And it's like Mal might be mature, might have might have more experience to be a little more mature and can handle it because he was like. Because he he wasn't really trying to engage her like that, but she was just going off on him and still saying things that sounded terrible, that sounded like didn't sound the way that she wanted them to sound. But she was still plowing through with it. That's why I was saying that she is not experienced enough to know that I need, OK, I need to pull back some. That didn't sound right. Like she didn't even really try. It didn't seem like she really tried to like walk anything back and be like look that's not really what i meant to say she just went straight forward with it no she she saying. tried at the end when he walked off but i think the, i think that yeah I, yeah but like her emotions when she first came out of that state i can understand that because she's right there she's almost she's almost severed this connection and then when you see in the next scene with her and bad we're talking she's talking about how she can feel Kerrigan. She's like, every time I use my power is like he has his hand on me, forcing me to use it. So I can understand her agitation at not being able to sever that link. And, you know, like I said, once Mal kind of put it out there, he was like, oh, okay, see, that's what you meant. I, I just needed you to hear you say it. So now that we know what pages we're on, we know that you are way over here and I'm way back here and this is where we're going to be. And he walks off like she understands what she's what she said and what she's done. But you know, how I know she, you, you know how I know she doesn't understand? She had been worried about Mal looking for Mal feverishly. But when he snapped her out of it, she did. She, her first instinct wasn't listen like, Oh my God, where the fuck have you been? I missed you. It was a, she was like, "What the fuck did you do that for?" That was the first thing she said because to her. Because right then, her thing was she was trying to break the link with Kerrigan. If you listen to the conversation she had with Bagworth, not only is she trying to is she trying to sever this link from Kerrigan, like this actual physical link, she needs to sever the mental link as well. Kerrigan is in her head. She thinks that everything about her is because of him. She thinks that her being Grisha, her being told she was meant for great things. These are all things that he told her instilled in her. Like she said, he betrayed Jenya. He betrayed Ravka. And Bagra had to say to her, and he betrayed you. He violated you. When you are in a space, 
even a headspace where somebody has that much control over what you do and how you feel, even though that person, the other person who broke her out of that is right there, she's more so when she's coming out of that, she's thinking, oh my God, I almost broke this. I almost had him out. And you don't realize how deep it is for her mentally, emotionally, until she has that conversation with Bagwell. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying is I don't blame her for not like when she sees that Mal is okay, when she comes out of it, she's still angry because I think in her mind, when she was in the astral plane with Kerrigan, she heard Mal's voice. Alina, stop. Alina, come back. Alina, come back. She heard it. So in her mind, she's like, oh, okay, he's alive. He's He's up. He's all right. Okay, I'll deal with that in a minute. Let me hurry up and get this motherfucker she's, out of my head. She's just selfish. I, I, I think it part partly yes. I do think that is it. Again, I I think her her sense of self importance has started to get up there. But I think it's also too, she really she really was just trying to get Kerrigan whatever grip he has on her, whether real or imagined. She's trying to get rid of that, but she like, like you said, the way she reacted and it's like, she didn't realize until she said the wrong thing. She was like, oh, wait, um, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Huh? Okay. But it's, it's a little, it's a little too late for that now, but at least I think he was able to break through to her. Like, okay, so you doing all this dangerous stuff, you going after Kirigan on your own that's not going to work. Like, what are we doing? All of this other stuff. What are all of these people dying for? If you're just going to put yourself in harm's way without thinking of anything else to do. And I think she realizes that when she goes to talk to Nikolai and she gives him back the ring, because, you know, when he asks her, when, when her and Mal start having this exchange, Bagra and Nikolai are both in the room. And when she goes off on Mal, Bagra and Nikolai kind of look at each other and they they walk out the room. They're like, yeah, we don't want to be a part of this conversation. So Nikolai asked her, he was like, you know, is everything okay with Mal? And she was like, he's never walked away from me like that before. I don't know. And he was like, Mal loves you. Anybody can see it. I can see it. And it's like, when he says that, that's that's the first time I think anybody has said anything about love between those two and the fact that you have to have a a a stranger tell you this because at this point mal and Alina have not said those words to each other like it's very evident but they haven't actually said the words and the fact that nikolai can say mal loves you i can see it and she's like you know what yep you're right let me give you this ring back and he was like firebird she was like yeah because again Mal is not going to steer her wrong. He has not so far. So if he says, okay, we need to go find this firebird so you can finally do what the fuck it is you need to do, including getting rid of Kerrigan. What else are you going to do? Like you, she could have died trying to sever that tie with him. I mean, you see her holding her head. She's got blood on her head. Probably from when she That's when know, she smacked her head on the floor. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, like she, she could have died. Mm-hmm. She could have she could have knocked herself unconscious doing that. Kerrigan could have killed her. The the Nichevoya could have gotten to her. 
stop stop being so so selfish that and so headstrong that you just go into things without without thinking again you were a cartographer you were not a soldier you don't know how to how to plan things tactically leave that for other people but yeah so she's gonna go off and find the firebird and um yeah Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's talk about the crows a little bit, because yeah. Wyland gonna... and Jasper are morning after bliss. They got the glow. They got the glow. Taz is having nightmares in his bed because he's dreaming about the water and waking up on the barge and touching the dead flesh of, you know, of the people that were on the barge. And, you know, he wakes up and he, he's like literally trying to scrub the feeling off of his hands. And um, this I is can't where... Blame him, cause that, that's kind of hard. That, I can't yeah. even imagine that happening now. It's like laying in a barge full of dead people, including your brother, like with, 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 a, with a communicable disease where you're like popped out. And I'm like, mm-hmm. ugh. Like, I don't think I'd, I would never feel clean ever again. Mm-mm. There's no chance. And then if you think about it, you don't know how long those bodies have been there. You don't know how long he's been on that barge, how long he's been unconscious. And he probably had to swim to shore. Yeah, but even before that, the bodies are wet. You see it when you see his vision of him touching the, touching the stomach of one of the people. The, the flesh is wet. Anything that we've learned in science class about dead bodies, at some point, gas is going to start expanding the bodies. And it probably just felt clammy and and moist and just gross. Okay, 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 <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I'm I sorry, I said time. the M word. <laughs> Ugh, okay. Ugh. Oh, God. I'm That's sorry, I said the M word. But yeah, so anyway. You said a lot of words that were just disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> that whole you and you and you and your your descript your descriptors were just But like that puts you in the mind of Kaz Brecker and why he has this phobia that he has. Ugh. But it's 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 right after that that they get the um the letter from Nikolai about finding Nashenya. And Toya and um, Zoya have finally gotten there. Now, it's so funny because Zoya and Nina are sitting on opposite ends of the table. And they're having these conversations. And Zoya is accusing Nina of, you know, abandoning the country and betraying. She was like, excuse me, it didn't take for him to destroy a city for me to see where my loyalties needed to be. And Zoya was looking at her like, bitch she was telling the truth nina was gone way before all of that happened she was like yeah i'm not working for this dude anymore deuces but this is where they get the orders as far as what what they need doing and you know the mission kaz is still being hard-headed talking about knowing edge is not going to be a part of this uh, uh not a part of this mission jasper was like Fuck you. Yeah, in the words of the great Pharrell Williams, um, happy birthday, by the way, he should stop fronting. <laughs> I mean, he 
we we know by now. By now, it's like every time he says something about Inej not coming back or Inej going away, we just look at him like, really? Mm-hmm. No? And I even love it when when they're Nina and Jesper are in Inej's room because Nina is taking off the um the slave symbol off of Inej's wrist, and Nina, uh, I mean Inej is like. Why would he not tell me about this, you know, about this job for the Sun Summoner? And Nina was like, because he would rather push you away rather than admit how he feels about you. <laughs> and Nezha and Jess were both looking at her like, what? And she was like, oh, I'm sorry. Was I not supposed to say that out loud? Jesper was like, I was am so awesome. glad you actually. <laughs> okay, so. Wait, don't, don't start talking about snark, Anthony, because that was the perfect. No, 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 no. There's something else. Can we, can we step back for a second? Mm-hmm. So now Nina and her powers, mm-hmm. because now she's removing it. She's she's changing the tattoo. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so she's the heart render. I that was may have, yeah. she was trying to do healing in the last episode. You like well, no, maybe she was using like regular medicine. Mm-hmm. No, I think she was actually doing some healing. She was trying, and to you know healing. what. I thought about that when I watched this episode again, because if I remember from the first season, they all are, they all can do like certain things that other, um, that other Grisha can do like certain things within that skill set, but it's just the one thing that they do that they are like the experts on. I think I remember something about that, uh, in the first season. Okay. So yeah, so yeah. So you were maybe right. the cor is it corp corp corporalki? Yeah. So heart renders fall under that category. I believe so. so. Maybe they all. If you're in that category, you have the ability to do certain things. I think we talked about this before mm-hmm. because that's how it is with 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 Jedi. Because some Jedi are good at other <laughs> things mm-hmm. and not good at some things mm-hmm. like. They're Jedi that heal, but they really can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, like foresight is something. Some Jedi mm-hmm. have some degree of foresight. Right. Like Anakin was pretty high. Yoda was pretty high. Obi-Wan is okay, but he's just really good at seeing blaster fire coming at him. Like there's like ranges. So maybe heart renders is just a specific subset type, mm-hmm. but you can still do a little bit of healing, but you really got to work at it. Right. And some of them may not have to work at it as much. Yeah. Because so if you maybe... think about it too, Jenya saying what she did early in this episode, Jenya is a tailor, which is kind of sort of like a healer, but not, the, not is there much. A, is there a big difference between a tailor and a healer? Supposedly, because Jenya, Jenya has made mention a couple of times that her particular type of Grisha power is extremely w- rare. Yeah, like she it's, can actually alter a person's appearance. Mm-hmm. But if you can change someone's physical properties, then you should be able to heal as well. Mm-hmm. So is, is with, with tattoo, I thought the tattoo removal would be more uh, more tailoring than healing. I think it's, it, it would be sort it's the same, like you're healing the 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 scarring from the tattoo mm-hmm. because you still see like you still the see the outline scar. of she had to uh, mm-hmm. yeah she had to remove the ink or whatever mm-hmm. yeah 
And if you think about it, like I said, with Virginia, when she told David how she found them, she said, Bagra amplified me so that I would look for familiar heartbeats. You would think that's something a heart render would do. Yeah. So, so she has, yeah. so they all have, if you're in that area, you all have that sort of range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you're just really good at something and not as good as something else. Right. Well, if you look at it, if you, if you look at it book wise, they're like uh, Missy Lackley's heralds. They all have a basic, but then they move up and skill set on different ways that they can do different things. So I see them as, as herald like, uh, mm. But I, I agree that a tailor and a, and a healer are pretty much basic, except for, you know, as they get a higher skill set. Now, my question I had with with uh, with her is that her face is horribly scarred. Can't she tailor herself? No. Bagra says so um, in the last episode, because when you first when we first see Jenya after she's regained consciousness, that's what she's doing. She has her hand over her face. And Bagra says there's no sense in trying to tailor that girl. Mer- uh, that that scar was created by Merzos. So you won't be able to fix it. No amount of tailoring will be able to, to remove that. OK, so, so not even a healer could maybe heal it a little bit. No, because if you think about it, just like with Kerrigan, Jenny was able to take away some of it, but oh, the rest right. of it she couldn't. And she said that, that that's that's the extent of my powers. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I remember Bagger saying that now, but I mm-hmm. didn't catch uh what the full meaning of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. So so my next question is is okay. So you're talking about familiar hearts and you're talking about, you know, how they can sense in the amplify. If if she can sense David, does that mean that David could possibly if he was searching for her, because remember she was looking for him, he could sense her? Because he's a he's a uh he's a he? Duras. That's Dur- a, I think that's a different that's a different classification. So it wouldn't okay. All right. I don't I don't think oh, or, or you know what I will say this maybe that's one of those things like okay so if you think about it like let's say in the military okay right. you can be in the military everybody who's going to be in the military is going to get basic first aid skills right you're right. going to get basic whatever skills and then depending on what branch you're in like somebody in the army is not going to be able to fly a jet right you know somebody who's flying a jet is not going to be able to man a sub right so i think about it on those levels like there are certain things that they all can do like maybe they can all heal to a certain degree like basic first aid maybe they all can hear heartbeats they may not be able to control them like a heart render, but there may be certain things that they all can do across the board. But nah, I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that. I don't. It doesn't I seem have to like go that. back and I have to go back and read because yeah, I think I, they I, do talk about think, something to that nature about how about how the skills are amplified within each person. I'm I'm gonna have to look at that and see. Um, because then that would say that would be similar to. Um, compound V in um, the boys, boys because they all have a healing factor they all are durable mm-hmm. you know they all have like a base level thing and then they have specific individual powers mm-hmm. but it seems like this is very much like 
I hate using um, Avatar The Last Airbender as a reference point, but like Earth, you know, even within Earth, um, people who can, who, why is it escaping me now? Earthbenders. (laughs) (laughs) You have Earthbenders, like Toph could bend metal. Not all Earthbenders can do that. Mm. You know, and they're waterbenders who can bend blood. Not all waterbenders can right. do that. You're right. But mm-hmm. you don't have earthbenders who can move water a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, but at some point, it's all spirit bending because we find out, you know, spoiler, mm-hmm. that it's all spin- spirit bending and that some went in a different direction than others. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. So I don't, I think they're all siloed as far as heart renders and duress, but a duress is not going to have any abilities that a heart render will have. And a heart render is not going to have any abilities duress have. Now, if you would say they had things like, you know, accelerated hearing, healing for themselves, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, a little bit of durability because doing the small sciences requires a little bit more dexterity, a little bit more strength, a little bit more bone density, okay. stuff like that. Sure. But the actual small science is there probably not any, there probably isn't any crossover. Then the individual will be overpowered. Imagine being a duress and able to heal or able to heart render a little bit, you'd be a problem. Yeah, that's why I said I don't think it's something that would be major. Like if I could see being a Grisha and being able to heal like a minor cut, you know. Nothing, nothing extensive, something just minor. Um, The fact that Jenya said Bagra had to amplify her so that she could hear David's heartbeat. You you don't have too many human amplifiers and there aren't even that many animal amplifiers out there. So that's not something I would expect everyone to do. Maybe if Bagra was with David and David wanted to look for something, then she might be able to amplify that because she, she kind of, she amplifies, you know? So even, even things that they may be able to do in a minute way, she might be able to amplify that little power or whatever to, a minimum point to, you know, to a baseline point to where they could do that. But without her, it's probably just kind of one of those things. It's kind of like, it's kind of like me being a mixed person. I have all these, this DNA, and then I might have like 1% over here. If, if there was something that could amplify it, that's probably that that's how kind of how I look at it. Like there Bagra would be the thing that could amplify that little 1% of whatever, power a Grisha may have. Yeah, see, and that's, I guess that's where we disagree because I don't even think a Duras will have any ability to sense anybody's heartbeat. Yeah. Like, I think that's strictly a core, because the core, the corporalities seem to be people who can deal with the body, things that you do with the body. And a Duras is things that deal with metals and objects and stuff. But because, you- the, because like the fabricators, are duress like they're all the same but if you think about it one technically speaking the heart the blood has metals in it we have metals in our body blood has metal in it yes blood Uh uh-huh yeah but i can't but i can't heal you 
No, but we're talking. We're t- we were talking about specifically about hearing the heartbeat. Think about Jesper when he was uh, focusing the bullets to Ivan. He was listening for Ivan's heartbeat. No, he was sensing the weakness where he hit him the first time in the in the armor. He could tell where it was. It wasn't his heartbeat. You sure? Yeah. Somebody was sure. okay. I'm gonna have to go back because I. Sure. Think- Maybe I'm thinking about the other, because uh, there were a couple of fight scenes going on during that sequence. But I thought that there was a part of that. But you might. But be- I understand. I understand what you're saying. It's just I, I don't think it's likely that 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 would be that wouldn't really fit in the way I would see or how I would do the magic or the small sciences in okay. this world. Right. Okay. Okay. Like the only only thing that would be different is I would say because of the nature of Bagra and Alexander, that they may have a little bit of everything, mm-hmm. because that's probably why they can do the shadows. Okay. Because it's kind yeah. of a weird aberration, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be surprised if Elena, Elena could do things like heal, because of the kind of summoner she is, sun summoner, which is like this extraneous rare thing maybe it's just a they're just combinations of all the other things together at once mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah like i wouldn't be surprised if they could do all those other things but i would be surprised if a duras could do heart renderer stuff like listen for heartbeats okay anyway so, we're in the weeds again yeah we are <laughs> but that's okay because that just that just tells me that what i need to do um because it has been a while since i've read the book I do want to go look that up and just see, okay, so how how is it that the Grisha powers work? What, you know, what is it that each Grisha can do? Like, are are there things that they can do that are attributed to other Grisha? Um, so yeah, we'll we'll go into that. I'm I'm gonna look that up and then we can discuss that further in a in a future episode. But um so anyway. Can you start calling her calling her Ang Lena? No, no. So going back to the crows and uh, Nina healing Inej and all of this other stuff. So Inej basically makes it known that she is about to go on this mission. And Kaz does not look pleased about it. But like she said, she was like, I'm not here for you. He looked so hurt when she said that. She was like, I'm not here for you. I'm here for the Sun Summoner and I'll buy my own passport. He was <laughs> like, dang it. But I'm telling like, you. Damn it, I'm Cass. She's like, man, mm-hmm. where do I sit? Like, damn it. Right. Now, like the it. other it's things, the other things that are, well, there's one thing that's funny in the scene, and that's the fact that, and you see this throughout the whole episode. I think Nina and Toya are going to be best friends because they always got some fucking food in their mouth. They're always eating. They're always enjoying right. themselves with food. And I just think it's the funniest thing because people keep saying stuff to them or giving them looks like they're trying to embarrass them or they're telling them, um, can you please stop doing that? And both of them looking at each other like, whatever, I'm about to sit here and enjoy myself. The other thing is we find out only by accident that Wyland is illiterate. 
And it's because I felt so bad about that. I that, did. That's almost like that's almost like somebody outing somebody for being gay. It's like that's such a personal thing for somebody, especially somebody so as smart as he is. It's like because you, you, you everybody can't do what he does. Mm-hmm. Like he 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 can do stuff that a lot of people can't do, and it's even more impressive when you think about it because he can't read. Yeah, he learned all that just by learning it mm-hmm. and like by not reading. And it's like. And poor Jesper. Jesper like just said an offhand comment. He was like, "Oh, fuck." Yeah, and and, like, and it's like the more he keeps trying to, the more he it. keeps trying to make yeah fix it throughout the episode. It's almost like he just digs the hole a little bit deeper, and he's not doing it on purpose. It's like when you realize that about someone, sometimes it's hard to know the right thing to say, and what he thought was really something that you you know he thought it was something that was okay like oh the fact that you were able to do this without being able to read without you know not saying it like that you know that means you're clever and smart and Wylan who has probably heard this so much in his life he kind of takes it as patronizing and condescending and Jesper at one point does not know how to fix it and then later on you kind of see the thing in reverse because when Jesper sits wiling down and he's just basically like, look, this is nothing to be ashamed of. He was like, oh, you're going to tell me how to feel about my shame when you are hiding the most important thing about you. And Jesper was like, <laughs> he, he had the smart, what, my pretty face? I wouldn't. He was like, no, the fact that you're a durass. Like you did this, you did that, you you fixed your gun. I've seen you shoot, you fixed the piano wire. Why would you hide that? He was like, You're Zemini. Zemini always, you know, they feel like being a Grisha is being blessed. Why would you hide that part? And Jesper was like, Because uh-huh. it's not a blessing, it's a curse, and you don't know what it has cost me. And I was like, oops. And that, I think it was one of those moments where Wylan was like. Oh, now I now I see how he's been feeling trying to, you know, like you you think you're saying something to someone that is a compliment or that is to be a comfort or that is supposed to make them feel better. Like, hey, I see that you're a Grisha. That's an awesome thing. You should be proud of that and not hide it. Oh, but guess what? I lost because of that. We find that out later. And I think it's one of those things where Wyland is like. Oh, so this is how he's felt when he's been trying to compliment me and I've been kind of biting his head off. So, you know, they walk into that house with both of them kind of on shaky ground. But even before we get to that, we find out that Nishenyur that's in the temple is a copy. It's a fake. They do find out, or I should say Kaz does find out who has the real one or who may have the real one. So apparently it's owned by someone called the disciple and he has a fence that has, you know, been listing some of his personal collections. So their, their plan is to meet the fence. Um, You know, Nina and Kaz, they pose as a married couple, which is very funny to me. Hilarious. And and Inez is up on the roof trying to make sure that everything goes okay. Well, this fence, um, she ain't stupid at all. Because she realizes that they're thieves. She realizes that. Let's just say, I know a thief when I, I've been around long enough to know a thief when I see a thief. I've worked with enough thieves to know one. But 
the the interesting thing about that the whole start of that thing um one of the things that i liked is when they first get to the city there is a temple and i guess there's like um it, it's kind of like a day of remembrance or a festival of remembrance so you see toya you see inej you see zoya all standing at this um altar like thing and they're each saying their prayers and remembering their loved ones in different ways because they're all three from different cultures. And I love that they showed that like, yes, these three people are from all, all from different walks of life, different cultures. They're all different types of people, but they have this one thing com in common and they can, they can each do that and be respectful of the way the other person does it without it being a big deal. I love that because we don't get that a lot in this world, you know? Um, yeah. Again, showing, showing the inclusivity that, that young, young adult literature has, which actually, which actually is pretty cool. Cause well, a lot of the shows that we watch are based on YA literature and a lot of like, Wheel, like Wheel of Time, for example, it has a lot of inclusion in it. Like and that, that just is, that's really cool because it shows that that young adults actually want that as far as what they're reading, as far as like they want to see stuff in the stuff in the in their literature, like they want to see in the world. So mm -hmm. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. But when Nina and Kaz they go to meet this um, the fence, one of the things that Kaz does. At the beginning, he tells them, okay, so this is how we find her. We have to go to this particular tea shop. We have to order this particular tea off menu. That's how she will know that we are there for a particular thing. And um, the funny thing is Nina is Nina is hella literate and she speaks. I don't, I can't remember how many languages did she say she speaks? Cause she, 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 she probably ordered, say all of them, right? Cause yeah. she ordered, she, well, she shows that she can order the tea in the shoe language and Toya kind of perks up and he starts talking to her in shoe. And she was like, yes, tell me more. I was like, yeah, they're going to be best friends. They're going to, they're going to eat all the time and they're going to sit there and, and do the fighting and doing the translate. Like I can see her and Toya being very good friends. Yeah. Like a shout shout to shout to Nina being a total foodie. Like say, I wonder if it's gonna have what is tea's gonna have like floral notes or if it's gonna be Kaz is like it's <laughs> tea. <Kaz> like, <laughs> you drink it. It's tea. Like, she says she's I mean, of course she's a foodie because she eats all the damn time. So it's mm -hmm. like she knows exactly what everything tastes like because she eats everything. Right. Right. But um it's one of those things where you, when we're watching this scene now where Nina and Kaz are meeting with the fence and they they have this custom when you drink the tea, you know, you touch your fingertip to the tea, you touch your forehead, uh, you, flick, you flick the extra moisture off and then you touch your forehead. And Nina does it, no problem. Kaz, however, does not. And she kind of calls Kaz out on it. She was like, so um, again, Nina introduced them as husband and wife. She was like, so does your husband have a problem with my country's cultures uh, or my culture's uh, customs? And I was like, oop, okay, Kaz, you're, you're about to be looked at as being uh, our equivalent of um, a bigot or racist or, you know, whatever. 
you better do the damn thing. And when Nina kind of presses him about it, he takes off his gloves and he does the thing. And you can see him, he does that extra flick with the water. I was like, yeah, he don't want none of this shit touching him. Mm-hmm. None of it. I mean, shout out to him for, for sucking it up and doing it and not doing it with the glove on. He'd be like, I, I have expected him to do it with the glove on to be like, because that Fair. that would have been yeah i think that would have been disrespectful to the culture and like nina said yeah. we came all this way for this like i don't know what your issue is but you need to fix it now right. what i do realize is that in the scene once we see what happens inej is fully aware of what his his issue is because what happens is once she realizes that they are thieves she signals, I guess, one of her servant girls. And when Cass gets up, the woman wastes tea on him. And of course, he starts flashing back to the water. He turns around and he's on the table and he's like hyperventilating. And Nina grabs his hand and she was like, Brecker, just breathe. When she touches his hand, he has the flashback to when he's touching the dead body on the barge. He panics, he runs, and he starts bumping into people. And every time somebody touches him, you kind of see those flashes go in and out of his mind. And then all of a sudden, you see Inej pulling him into an alleyway, and she sits him down, and she backs off real quick. And he turns, and he sees her, and it's almost like he gets embarrassed. And almost in the same breath, he gets upset. You were supposed to tell her. And she was like, I couldn't leave you, not like this. And then she puts his gloves next to him and she and she leaves. So I was like, oh, okay. So she is aware of what his what his triggers are. And again, I think Anthony, you were the one who said it. If if she pays half as much attention to him as he pays to her, she probably knew it and just never said anything because if he's not gonna say anything, why would you bring it up? Right. You know. But she knew enough to be like, oh, shit, I need to go help him. And she got she got him out of that crowd. She got him in a place where he could kind of collect himself. Because he had a complete freak out. Oh, my God. Yeah. Completely. Like, we've never seen him like that, ever. And that's, I know that. That's when, you know, in, in the clinical world, you realize that he has a serious, serious problem. Mm-hmm. Because it will totally interfere with his day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like those gloves are his crutch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I mean, just yet- like Lori said in the last episode too, she was like, she was like, if Pekka Rollins knew that about Cass, oh, she could have killed he he could have killed him easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any he number. Pro- yeah. Any number of people, if they even had an inkling that he was like that, they would have removed him years ago. But see, Mm -hmm. here's the other problem with that. He's putting himself out there because for the first time in a long time, you know, it's not just a job anymore. They want to actually help. So as he interacts more and more with people and not just the crows and not just Ketterdam, maybe he'll start to come out of it a little bit more. He has interaction with people. Because sometimes yeah. if you're stuck in the same area, the same people, the same thing, whatever phobia you have intensifies. But if you get away from it, maybe a different environment can help. So he might actually, without thinking about it, get better down the line. I mean, 
Does that make sense? It, it does. And it's like, I, you know, I just kind of wonder what therapy is like in this world because he definitely yes. needs it. I, I don't think There's it no exists. <laughs> it doesn't exist. There's no therapy. Food and wine. <laughs> and maybe, maybe, and maybe, maybe the confidence of good friends. I, you know, what kind of confidence back. are you talking about? What kind of friends are you talking about? I'm talking about like Jesper and Inej. Like, oh, okay, I, I thought like you were talking about, I thought you were talking about the menagerie. You know, those well, the confidence of those. No, friends. because no, because if, if Cass too. can't even if he if he is to the point where he struggles to even just touch Inej with a cloth so that he can help clean up a wound, you best believe Cass Cass has never been intimate with anybody. I can I can probably tell you that without a fact. I thought we were just talking about is, in general. No. Well, you know, it's oh, the, no, 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 not, not Cass specifically. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Yeah, I know some people probably do go to the menagerie for, you know, well, whatever it, ails them. But did, yeah. did not, didn't uh -huh. someone say that before in this show? I don't know if I'm confusing my shows, but they guys that just go to those places just to talk sometimes. And that's how a lot of these guys get their information. A lot of the um, people like, um, the woman who was in charge of the menagerie, I can't remember her name. Tantaline. Yeah, remember yeah. she had a lot of influence yeah. because she well, probably knew some stuff. Yeah. And the same thing with Pekka Rollins. You know, you kind of mm -hmm. learn things about people when they're okay. in those places because yeah. there is yeah. a little bit of therapy that goes on. This is a person I can talk to mm -hmm. in the quiet of yeah. this place and not have to worry about it going anywhere else. Right. So there, there well, is some therapy. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just like the champagne room in the strip club. Oh, jeez. There's also I wouldn't know anything about that. There's also monasteries. There's also uh, religious places where if you feel comfortable enough, maybe they can go and talk. That might be their type of therapy that they have in that world is a monastery, a religious order. Yeah, or, like the convent. We just go to the convent and deal with your well, depression and whatnot. Yeah, but they then they lock you or brick you into a cell, you know, and stuff like that and all that other stuff. But, uh, um, it, that that would probably be the only type of therapy that they probably have, unless they go to different areas other than than where they're at, and maybe find that there's like meditative practices somewhere else, or there's a different approach. I mean, I don't think that he can go do yoga to 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 chill out. Okay, Let, let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah. But um, okay, we're we're running long, so let let's get to let's get to the important part. So of course, they have tracked the fence to our house. They know what her routine is going to be like for the evening. So what they decide to do is Nina and Zoya have to team up. They're going to track her, make sure she doesn't go back home. Jesper, Wyland, Kaz, Toya, and Inej, they're going to go to the home to try to steal the sword because they believe that's where she has it. So they break into the home and the home is booby trapped. It's a trap. They get stuck in the house and there's a gas there that uh, basically knocks them out. It causes hallucinations and it is killing them. Now, the triple whammy. Knock you out, hallucinations, and it's killing you. I mean, at least, well, I guess depending on the hallucination, you either die 
really happy or really tear badly. Either I mean, you know, you either have a good a good hallucination or a bad trip. So So let's talk about these hallucinations. And Toya Toya sits down and starts doing breathing exercises. It kind of reminded me of Parliament Nights when Danny Aiello's character was in the safe and they were like, take deep, take little bitty breaths, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah the rest of them are having some issues though because like like yeah. you said triple whammy but before all of that we gotta talk about the fact that she got the drop on nina and i was sitting here looking at this thing like if you kill nina i'm coming through this tv for you Mm-hmm, me too. I was like, Nina and Zoya are are tracking her through the market, and they don't want to be working together as it is. So Zoya takes off and she's tracking the lady. First of all, I was like, Zoya, you're not being subtle enough. Like anybody with half a brain would be able to tell that somebody is is following them. And she comes around the corner, and old chick is gone. I was like, yeah, y'all, y'all about to be, y'all about to be fucked up. I was not expecting her to get the drop on them the way she did. I was like, oh, this bitch can fight. Like, there has to be something more to who she is because you have the house trapped, which, yes, that could be because of the sword. But I was on, I'm starting to feel like okay is she the disciple because she knew that she was being followed she probably knew they were coming to her house that night especially if she had already deduced that they were thieves she was probably expecting them like oh okay they're about to try this yeah okay well she knew that they were going to try to follow her to find out where she lives or whatever the tracker to see where she's you know it, it it doesn't take anyone with half a brain in her situation to realize, you know, to be able to pick out a person following you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's somebody that y- y'all are in a city that you've never been to. You, pr- you probably stand out. And so if, she probably has contacts all around that city like, yo, they're over here. They're right. on this corner. They're following and if she And if she is, is an employee of the disciple, and if you want to talk to the disciple, you have to go through her, then she's probably going to be a force to be reckoned with. And because she's the very disciple sharp. would trust her enough to do that or to be, you know, the gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. And she's yeah. already proven that she's very insightful by being able to tell that they are that they weren't married at first and knowing knowing that they were full of shit initially it's like you know that you you know that she's gonna be paying attention to every to her surroundings at every moment so it's like you know if you look at Cass and you look at nina you know those two motherfuckers is not married what did she say i always thought kirch people were a little more affectionate (laughs) no and nina was like Oh, but when we're alone, he's all hands, aren't you, Waffles? waffles. I, when I tell you, I <laughs> fell out so hard. <laughs> it was, it was oh, just wrong. But he's just sitting there looking <laughs> like a de- he's looking like a decrepit waffles. old man sitting there. <laughs> just, dude, y'all are not married. I'm so sorry. Well, he, well one. He's he's got bruising on his face, and that yeah. doesn't help. Like he already looks mean. It would have been better if it was uh, to, to, 
Toya, Toya. <laughs> and her, then you could, oh, they might be married, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I could see that, especially considering how well we see they get along so far. The, the chemistry, yeah. Like, literally from the moment those two groups met, she was like, oh, like, he was sharing food with her, and she's right. taking a bite. She was like, oh. You ever like, had dried squid before? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh my God, Tamar is gonna kill me! I've given away all my dried squid. Like, really, dude? Yeah, that's okay. He's he's forming he's formulating friendships. I, I'm telling you, him and Nina, they're gonna be besties. I feel it in my soul. But yeah, so anyway, like I said, um, the fence Oval is her name. She gets the drop on Nina, but Zoya comes to the rescue. Uh, a little bit late, though. Yeah, because. Yeah, but right now, right, Nina like slowed her heart down to make her think she, she was had to play dead. dead. Yeah, but I mean, it worked. She's okay. Now they just have to go find uh, Kaz and them and rescue them because, like I said, there's a there's a vapor in the air. Yeah. Oh, causes, side note, causes side them note. to pass I, out. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many motherfuckers Nina has killed by pretending to be dead. You know what I mean? Like, you think you got her. Oh, you're a spy. You start choking her out. Oh, she's dead. You turn your back and the next thing you know. Yeah. You're in the afterlife. (laughs) Yeah, you might be Don't sleep on Nina. People, you think Nina's all nice and cuddly and cute, but I know She was a spy for Kerrigan. Who thinks that? She murdered some people. And then, our first introduction to her is her beating beating a fucking room full of Fjordans. <laughs> yeah. The same. But, but anyway, um the last the last scene that we see in the episode is when everyone starts passing out at the house. Kaz is the last one to fall. And when he falls backward to the floor, we see him splash into some water. And that's when I said hallucinations. He's pulled out of the water by his brother. His brother was like. Did you think that was it? Did you think I'd go away so easily? Do you think you were going to get out of this so easily? And he pushes Kaz back into the water and then the episode goes off. I was like, oh, so we were talking about Kaz and his trauma. This is not going to do anything to help. If anything, this is about to make it 10 times worse. Sit back. Man. I mean, it's not like he's been making progress, so... I, well, I, I, honestly, yeah. I would say it's been a little bit of progress just because, um, you know, him admitting to Jesper or Jesper putting the idea out there that, oh, you were going to say that you couldn't do this job without me and that, you know, we're like brothers and brothers sometimes fight. But at the end of the day, we have each other's backs. And Kaz was like, yep, that's what yeah, I was. But, but that didn't require any touching. It, no, well, but see, that's so. the thing. I don't think the touching is the only thing that he needs to work through. Him opening up to people, him getting close to people, him just letting his guard down a little. We didn't see a lot of that in season one. And I feel like we're starting to see a little bit of that in season two. Granted, is not by choice, I don't think. But the fact that he is showing some vulnerability to his crows, I think that is progress, even though it may not be uh, a progress that he's initiating. It is there and it's giving them the opportunity to help him. 
because Kaz also is not the type of person who's going to ask for help. Well, he's not going to make any progress in any, like, that is a little bit of cognitive, but if he can get himself to emotionally open up to people, it might lead to him being able to touch people. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's possible. I think the only thing he's speaking, you know, only thing that's going to work for him is exposure. He's he's going to have to be exposed to touching people. And until he does that, he's really going to have a hard time opening up to people. Yeah. Because it's like turning his back on um, Inej. He wants her. He can't look at her when she's like that because he wants to touch her. Mm-hmm. Like, he can emote with her all he wants to, but as long as he's not want as long as he has an aversion to touching people he's not gonna let people in any further than they are already yeah like you know he can say those things to to um jesper jesper but he's not gonna give him a big slappy hug and a kiss this is not gonna happen yeah yeah you can't even look at an edge and she's showing a little bit of flesh he Mm -hmm. can't because his urge to touch her is like really really a problem for him mm-hmm. yeah so yeah the, and and i don't i don't even know if cognitive therapy will work for him because he's he's his intelligence level is too high you just have to throw him in a you have to make him strip down and throw him in a room full of bodies and people oh, who are alive just, and, and just force him to <laughs> No, that's that's not how I, like, that's not, that's I, I not how exposure therapy works. Ooh. You just have to do a little bit at a time. <laughs> like we have to cut out little holes in the fingertips of the gloves so he can touch people mm-hmm. and we work from there. Yeah. And yeah. ain't no cutting holes. You gotta start with one. <laughs> I know I'm you're gonna have to start <laughs> you, with you one and it's right. gonna have to be the smallest <laughs> hole to allow for the mm. least amount of or, skin exposure. Or, I know we're therapying him, but, or we have to get him mesh gloves and we have to start him off with a really fine mesh. And as we go along, we're gonna do a larger and larger mesh because at least he will still have the feeling that he has gloves on. Mm. So we'll have to do that. Yeah, but yeah, Cass, he definitely be, needs in, some in a, therapy. A He's bit, really going to need it in, after after this. And a little bit of cognitive therapy. We, we, we'll have to throw a little bit of cognitive therapy. But exposure is probably going to be the best for him. Yeah. Because that's what got him in this situation. It's probably the only way we're going to get him out. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Ooh, okay. So we, we can hit shrink cast in the <laughs> next episode. Because I know that's good. If that's how you start out this this hallucination... No, it's not good. And not, not at all. Not, not at all. Because then there's PTSD thrown in there too. That that's that just compounds the issue. And now your dead brother is speaking to you like, <laughs> uh-huh. oh, you thought you thought you were gonna get away from me. You thought it was gonna be this easy. No. Like and sticks him in the wall. I was like, Kaz is gonna be so much more fucked up after this like so now we then then we're gonna have to also give him some coping skills to deal with the ptsd too just he he's got a lot going on i just want to wrap him in bubble wrap and then give him a hug because he needs it (laughs) he really does 
And like I said, it's so weird seeing Freddie Carter play this character so well the way that he does because every time I see him on a video, he's laughing and smiling. Like I just I just finished watching uh before we started recording, they released the um season two blooper reel on the Instagram channel. And he's just laughing and smiling and making jokes. And it's just yeah. Wrap my calves up in some bubble wrap and just protect him at all costs. Yeah, he's so, and I love how he's just like way different than he really is. Like, as far as like being being who he is and being cast, mm-hmm. it's like those are two entirely different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing, so cool because Jesper is basically the same person in real life, and, and like he really is. He's just, uh-huh. just exactly the same. Wyland too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Amita Suman is different from Anish because where where it's Anish yeah. is kind of I won't say she's hard, but yeah, in a sense she is hard and she's very she's not very um not a very happy person because she has this, you know, she's basically she's a rage, she's an assassin. She deals with all the serious stuff. And Amita Suman, she is so funny in real life and she's also one of those people she gets very she gets embarrassed very easily she's always doing this when people are talking to her when she gets a compliment like she gets like she's so sweet so it's like yes it's interesting watching them in real life and then seeing them on the show like wow y'all are acting your asses off for real I'm sorry side note for for those listeners who are in the therapy thing I'm not a therapist I do know that exposure and cognitive therapy are used for PTSD. It's just that I think his phobia of the of the touching, we kind of have to deal with that as a separate issue. Yeah. But yeah, we, we're going to do the exposure and cognitive therapy to work through all of that. That poor child. Just saying. I just want to make sure. I don't want people to think I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. Oh, y'all have any other thoughts on this episode? That was a lot. There's a lot going on. There's a lot. Like a lot after on. the first two episodes, they have been zipping along. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. The the rule of the fourth episode, and now we're in the five, has has helped out this show because I was a little bit worried. Episodes one, two, and 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 most of three, I was really worried about this show. Mm-hmm. I was really trying to figure out how I was gonna make it oh. through. Before we go, we didn't talk about Pekka. Oh, yes, you're right. Pekka. He is at oh, Hellgate. Oh, yeah. He, yeah he, he's yeah. the alpha. You throw he's him at, at Pel- Hellgate. Now, it, I, I think it's interesting that now you are a prisoner in, in, in the prison where you were controlling and paying off the guards. Yeah. All oh, that's about to pay off, though, now. Yeah. Because... He comes into the ring, or not the ring. It, they they do have a fight, but it's not the ring. He comes to the center of whatever this this little area is, and uh, Matthias's roommate comes out and holds his hand out like he's welcoming Pekka. We, we call we call them cellmates. What I say, roommate. Roommate. Cellmate. Yeah. Same difference. It's not. It's not. Oh, it's not. 
Oh no, it's not. It's just like a, it's just like the difference between a pirate and a privateer. <laughs> okay, so one steals and one gets one one steals to get paid. The other one pays to, get, to steal gets paid right. to steal. <laughs> so Matthias's cellmate. Comes out, holds out his hand to Pekka because the guards have just... I'm like, the same guards that you paid are now throwing you face down on the ground. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Right. Supposedly. So when he pulls him up, he has... Is it a rock that he's He's like holding something up against Pekka's neck. And he's telling everyone like, oh, my brother Damien, uh, which is which was his previous cellmate, you know, fell because of the orders of this guy. So basically, he has an axe to grind with Pekka, which most of the people in that prison probably do. But Pekka lets it be known real quick. I ain't the one. He pushes that dude on the ground. He picks up the rock that he had, puts it in a, I guess a, there was a pillowcase out there or something. And he starts bashing Buddy's brain in, bashing his face in. And then when he's done with the rock, he finishes off with his hands. And he gets up and he was like, I'm just letting y'all know. I am Pecorales. I am not about to get killed by some random ass fool. He was like, y'all can either work for me or I'll kill you. You decide how you want this to play out. Now, the right. other prisoners are holding Matthias back because he's trying to help his cellmate. And once the fighting is over, he goes over to the guy. And when I tell you, I was like, I just got a good look at his face when I watched it again tonight. I didn't realize that his eye was closed up to the point, but you could still see the inside of his eye because it was just that. It was, I was, I was like, okay, this is like maybe almost on the level of Walking Dead Glenn when he got his face right. bashed in. But Matthias is trying to get a doctor, and the dude was like, nope. He was like, don't do this. He was like, what did he say? Make sure I'm buried under the roots of an ash tree so that jail will accept me. And he said, you have to live your life for you. You have to, you, you have to make it count. Basically tell Matthias, look, don't get stuck in here. Figure out what you need to do and do it. And the look that Matthias gives Pekka at the end of that, I was like, this finna be some shit. Cause he about to go after Pekka. For, he not. He's not gonna go after Pekka, and then Pekka's not gonna mess with him because Pekka don't want that smoke. But Pekka has the Pekka has the other people in the in the prison behind. Yeah, him. but they just watched this motherfucker whip the cannibal's ass. <laughs> so they're not gonna fuck with him either. Like we like you, Pekka, and yeah, you're good and all, Pekka. But we are not about to jump this dude over here. You can, you know, he's. He's good. As long as he ain't messing with us, we're good. I, I, I think Pekka's gonna have to. If Pekka's gonna have a problem with him, which he really shouldn't, other than I mean, that was just a cellmate. Oh no, he's gonna have a problem with him because you have to remember, Pekka knows who Matthias is. But Matthias doesn't Nina, know who Pekka. But Matthias doesn't know who Pekka is. He doesn't, he doesn't know the significance of Pekka. Matthias ain't. The br- 
I, I'm saying I Mataya understand what you're saying about Matthias. Okay, he from his per, from his pers, from Matthias's perspective, yeah. it doesn't really is not much of anything. Now Pekka may be thinking this dude may come after me for some reason, but I don't. But he would have to. Mm-mm, I don't think it's going to be that. Pekka knows who Matthias is because of Nina, and Nina is the reason. Part of the reason his ass is in Hellgate now. Matthias is on his radar. I guarantee you that. Right, but he doesn't have—he doesn't really have any reason to go after Matthias. He doesn't have reason to go after it. Like, okay, Matthias knows Nina, and Nina knows Matthias. He knows everything about Matthias. But what Pekka does doesn't have anything to do with with Matthias. Nina is the reason Pekka is in Hellgate right now. So. I know. So he's going to have a problem with Matthias just by association. Just to kill Matthias, right? Yes. Just to get back at Nina. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, mm -mm. That's going to be a problem. Either way, I don't care what Pekka says to me. I ain't fucking with that dude because he whipped the cannibal's ass. (laughs) Right. No doubt. (laughs) Period. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry, Pekka. Yeah, no. We'll no. see how that goes, but yeah, I have I have a feeling no. that once Pekka realizes, like Pekka is in there, he sees Matthias, especially when if he sees Matthias, like we saw Matthias looking at him, and we saw Pekka kind of look towards his direction. I don't think he was looking at Matthias because Matthias was over the now dead body of his cellmate. But if he sees Matthias over that cellmate that he just killed, and nobody else is paying attention to the cellmate. He's going to know, okay, so this guy was important to him. However small that importance was, he at least cared enough about him to go over there while he's dying. Hmm. This is also the boyfriend of the heart render that just fucked me over and sent me here. But but if Peggy did his research after he figured out what was going on, which I'm sure he did, he knows that she's the reason that Matthias is in there. And so... The smart thing for him to do is to be like, hey, I know she put your ass in here and she really didn't try to get you out. Join me and we figure a way out of this. Yeah. If you help me out, I'll help you out. And we right. can get revenge on this bitch that put us both in here. You see, yeah, what I'm saying? That- like, you see, you have to realize that's how Pekka thinks. Yeah. He, he's thinking on how I can turn all of this to my advantage. He's already the big dog in the prison. He was a big dog out. He's a big dog in. We have a whole history in our world of mafia bosses running things from the prison. Mm-hmm. Gang leaders running things from the prison. Why shouldn't Pekka be any different? Right. Yeah. Oh. And he, he obliterated that man, that poor man's face. Like he. My question is. Why did you think you? I mean, I know I said it in the last episode. Hellgate is for the worst of the worst, but still, why did you think that you was gonna run up on Pekka Rollins and come out the victor in that? I mean, maybe maybe he was thinking, okay, you know what? All these other folks in here are probably in here because of Pekka. He probably thought he was gonna have some help. No, I think but, he thought he had, he had the drop on him. It's just that he couldn't he couldn't close the deal. <laughs> you know, 
Maybe he was 10, 15 years younger. He may have, may have had a shot, but. Maybe, uh, but mm -mm. Pekka was definitely in better shape than him. And Pekka had, and also Pekka is a man who at some point in his life didn't have anything to lose. Like he had nothing to lose and everything to gain by killing this man. That's true. So. That's yeah. true. Cause notice like the guards, nobody came, nobody stopped them. It was just kind of like, Oh well, one less mouth to feed. Or we got one, we lost one. Oh well, call it even. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. So yep, that was episode five, and now we have three episodes left. They have a lot of ground to cover, but I don't think it'll be a problem, especially with the way they have gone these last couple of episodes. Like they are yeah. moving through the story. Now I will say this. So I'm wondering what they are changing from the books to the screen, because at this point from where Alina and Nikolai and all of them are, you know, they're in these caves. It looks kind of like, you know, church pews that she's sitting on at this point in the story, in the book, the apparat makes a reappearance and it becomes this really weird, um, really weird cultish type thing where you know there are his followers and they are worshipers of the sun summoner to the point where they're keeping alina captive um because she's weak and there was like a whole fight between her and kirigan that has not happened and i don't think will happen so it's going to be interesting to see if they're not going to do this part of the story that's in the books how they're going to change it. And I know they probably will just because of the fact that right now they even have the twins separated and the twins in the books were part of this. Um, I won't say they were part of the cult, but they are also worshipers of Sancta Alina. And I think they were working for the apparat at some point. And then they stopped working for him and they were completely loyal to Alina. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the story moving forward. Like I said, we only have three more episodes left. And if they haven't done that at this point in the show, I doubt if they're going to do it. If they do a season three, maybe that'll come in in season three, however they do that. But I'm just, I'm curious to see what direction they're going to go with, with the rest of the yeah. season. So any final thoughts? Um. Yeah, this was they put. I I was I didn't even think about it until we almost forgot about Pekka Rollins. They packed a lot of shit into this episode. They did. Like they there really were like did. there were like four or five different storylines going at the same time in this in this one. But and you didn't like, feel rushed. But you didn't feel rushed, and it didn't feel like anything was was lacking or being missing. You know they 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 were all pretty balanced. So yeah, they they got a lot because of you know having the limited you know episodes. But I'll I'll give them this: they really really moved the story ahead a lot, and I I enjoyed it thoroughly. I really really enjoyed the next episode, which I have notes on. But this episode, and I didn't get to talk about episode four, but episode four I thought was absolutely brilliant and i loved how they got pekka i loved how they used the kid and i think i just i, I was sort of sad when it ended and i was like 
hello, halfway point. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. I wish yeah, you were here yesterday. I was like, we could, we could have just, we could have leveraged that episode out. I was like, man, I miss my homie. Yeah, yeah I'm on a lot of leverage references in that for that episode. There's a lot of leverage. I got leverage episodes for episode seven. Not six. Six is airbending or bending in general. Seven is leverage. Yeah. Um, yeah, the pacing, the pacing again has been has been really good. The editing has been really good. It's it's much better. They learned a lot of lessons from last season. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as as far as how everything is done. So yeah you know like i said episodes four and five great all right well we'll see where the rest of this season is gonna go but for now that is it for our show you can find us online at www.fandomhybrid.com we are on social media on facebook instagram and twitter at fandom hybrid you can chat with us on our discord channel you can watch our videos on our youtube channel and you can listen to us on all major podcast streaming platforms thanks for listening we hope you join the conversation next time